What is going on? Welcome to the Land Podcast. This is Jake Hofer, and we have a great guest this week. It is Neil Hogger, who is a Whitetail Properties agent out of the state of Wisconsin. And if you've been around here at the Land Podcast here for a little bit, you should recognize the name. So I think this is the third time third time Neil has been here on the podcast and we've walked through some of the land projects that he's had in the last roughly 12 months and how those have looked, how he has identified them and how he has basically um, you know, turned a profit on some of these on these parcels and everything else that he's seen in the land market right now. Very interesting time. Obviously, the stock market's getting beat up. Um, we are in a technical recession. But I think there's some good things that can come out of all of this. And if you are on the fence of potentially buying a farm, there is some good information here in this episode today. Before we do get into this episode, want to say a couple quick things. This is going live on Monday at 5 a.m. You have until midnight tonight to save 27% off any render bundle by using the code RUT27 at checkout. Be sure to take advantage of that. That is basically the Black Friday pricing right now so you can use it for the entire month of november instead of waiting until the best is already behind us for the season we've all been waiting for this an extra set of eyes in the form of a reliable cell camera this is it the exodus render rut 27 head over to our website exodusoutdoorgear.com one last thing before we get into this episode if you are brand new to this show or you you haven't listened here for a while the goal of this show is to help 100 people buy their first piece of land there is three ways to be involved on that list number one if you're in the state of illinois and i can help you you're in an area of my expertise be happy to assist you as a buyer's agent. Um, almost always, that is no cost of you to get a solid set of representation to help you get a property locked down. Number two, if you want to work with someone that I would personally do business with, and there's really only some pockets of the country that I can do this, I will be happy to make a introduction to someone I would do business with. Um, someone I would personally trust if I was gonna go buy a farm in that area, I'd be happy to do that. And number three, you just simply learn something from this or helps you take action or helps you move forward more confidently with the information here shared between the guest and myself. I want to know, I want to add you to the list. We have had a little bit of a dip there for a while. We're getting two or three folks a week. Now it's a little bit more spread out. I'm sure you guys are chasing deer as I am as well, but that is it for now. I hope you guys take advantage of November. Enjoy it. This is what we've been waiting for and enjoy this episode with Neil Hogger and he has his own podcast, The American Landman. That is it. Here we go. Neil, welcome back to the Land Podcast. How's it going? Thanks, Jake. We're glad to be back, buddy. Yeah. How's uh, how how have things been? How have things been? Yeah. You know, it was it's been steady all summer long as far as like sales and listing and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, I got like in the last I don't know, I'm gonna say about ten days to two weeks right now, just a flurry of offers came in. It's like everybody was buying, so I'm almost out of all my inventory, a couple fell off because they didn't sell for whatever reason. But mm-hmm. yeah, so now I'm working through the mess of financing, appraisals, inspections, you know, all that jazz. And so, yeah, it's been pretty good. Yeah. Isn't it weird how real estate is a game of like, it's a game of streaks where everything just comes in a flurry and it could be your phone doesn't ring for a couple of days and then boom, all of a sudden it rings all day the entire Yeah, day. And you know, and with my business, when I got into it, I talked to a buddy and he told me it was going to be ebbs and flows, you know, big peaks and valleys. And the key to smoothing that across is to advertise regularly. So, which is what I do. I spend quite a bit and I've tried to like smooth that off. And so I I'll, I'll sell a property or two every month, you know, but it definitely seems like late 
early to, you know, like around June, May, June, you know, April, May, June, maybe I get pretty busy and then it'll slow down because people go on vacations and, you know, you sell a few and you're still busy, but you're, and then all of a sudden it'll start ramping up right around August and then September and then it peaks. It's like, it's like a feeding frenzy right now with guys trying to buy and I want to close by November 7th. And oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy how that works. And then uh, from what I see too, another really big increase is towards the end of season when people are like, man, I had a terrible year. I hate so-and-so now. And I just want a place to call my own. And that seems to pick up like late November, December, January. Like, well, I just want a place that I can hunt whenever I want to next year. Do you see that too? Or have that same conversation? It's, you know, I'd say my gut is no, not up here, only because like December, January, February, it's just like, oh my gosh, I mean, just going outside. But I always seem to like, so far in the last nine years, I've always had like a couple that get me through that slow time, just enough. So I'm not getting brutalized with like sub zero, but enough to get out there. I'm always walking in snow. So yeah, it's, but it slows down a little bit. I think the cold slows us down. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And so you've been on the land podcast here a handful of times, but in case uh, someone doesn't know who you are, take a chance to uh, introduce yourself here. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate it. All right. Well, I'm Neil Hogger and I'm a land specialist real estate agent with Whitetail Properties Real Estate. And I'm out of um, uh, Northwest Wisconsin, kind of like Hudson, Wisconsin. If you look on the map, I'm just 30 minutes east of Minneapolis. So I cover uh, a territory of about seven counties. Uh, Polk, St. Croix, Pierce, Pepin, Buffalo, Trempolo, and Dunn counties, all the best like river counties of Wisconsin, I would say. And I've been doing it for about uh, nine years. I'm also a, a landowner and I'm a podcaster and I'm a YouTuber and I just buried myself in this industry and love it. And it's a lot of fun. So, yeah. And you were in pharmaceutical sales previously or device sales or. Yeah. So my career, um, I've had five, I think, if I count them up. So I started out as a military corpsman, um, Navy. And so I was like a medic. And then I got specialized training and I was a Marine uh, field medic, like a battlefield medic running with the Marines. So I switched from the, you know, the the ice cream man looking uniform to the camos of a Marine. And I ran around with a flak jacket and helmet. And, and I did that for, so I was in there for 12 years. And then kind of simultaneously, I was a psychiatric nurse uh, for about eight or nine years. I specialized in chemical dependency and psych. And then um, I went back to undergraduate and graduate school uh, in Wisconsin at La Crosse. And then I got into pharmaceutical sales right out of graduate school for about three years. And then I got recruited into medical device sales. So I spent about 25 years in cardiac medical device sales. I did electrophysiology, cardiac interventional surgeries, and then I did cardiac surgeries. And through that time, I kind of worked my way up through management and I became the uh, national director of sales. And that's kind of when I retired and got into land sales. And then land with Whitetail Properties, my last it's my last gig, man. This is it. This is the this home is stretch. This is the sunset career here. Uh, this is it. I don't know if it'll ever end, but true. You know, I've been. I I I was laughing because I had about seven years. I don't think I ever went past seven with any job, and it wasn't necessarily my doing. It was in sales. You're they're just kind of done with you because you're making a lot of money and you've developed a territory and you're running. And they could take two or three young guys and pay them about the same amount, but there's three guys versus one you know, there's more share of voice out there. So they will kick you loose and you got to go on to the next thing. And then they'll give your territory that you built to those guys. And so 
at about seven years, I would get cycled out. It seemed like every single time. And, and I was with, uh, my company metaphor at the time and where I was a director of sales. And right about that time, I was feeling this like, you know, impending doom feeling like something was about to change. And my wife even noticed it. And she's like, you're acting weird. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why, you know, I just feel like, like, and then I realized why, cause this is about the time when I got kicked to the curb every other time. And then sure enough, they sold the company. Like within oh a gosh. month of that, I found out they sold the company. And then the same thing here at Whitetail, but I've been with Whitetail for nine years and I don't think they're kicking me to the curb anytime soon. So. <laughs> That's a good feeling. Was there any specific lessons that you learned in the you know, device sales that has transpired into either land buying or real estate in general? That's like, yeah. you know, I learned this from being in the trenches in that career and it's transferred to this one. I tell you, there was one thing that this old gray guy's name was Gary. And Gary was on a team. We had this little team. There's three of us. I was the third guy, the young, fresh guy. Gary was getting psyched. He was ready to retire. His like the bottoms of his pants, I remember, were like worn off because he'd stepped on them so many times and he wasn't buying new suits to replace them because he was retiring, you know? And so we had a little retirement party and I went up to Gary and I said, hey, congratulations. And I said, you got any advice, you know, for me? Because I'm just starting your end. And he said, yeah, get up every day and do one good thing every day. Like, even if you don't have something to do, go find something, do one good thing every day. And I tell you what, that little piece of advice amongst many that I could probably go through um, has always stuck with me. So like every single day, I even if I'm hunting, I hate to say this, but I'm on my texting, I'm following up with people, I'm updating my clients, I'm calling them, I'm texting them, I just do something. I'll go someplace, I'll look at a property, I'll go hang signs or flyers. I just do something every single day. And it's amazing that when you do that consistently, consistent persistence over time deals fall in your lap and that's for sales and purchases. It's happened for both. Mm -hmm. More, more lines in the water for sure. You just got to be out there fishing. You can't catch a fish, right? Yeah. Do you, so I think that's a good, a good piece of advice for anyone that's looking to buy a piece of ground, maybe uh, do something every day, whether that's uh, have that side hustle and and work that extra two hours of freelance work, maybe that you do, or maybe uh, call one agent a day or a call. I mean, there's things that everyone can do every day that will definitely progress your, uh, your, your, uh, progression with that just by doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. You know, and I would add to that is like, get close to the center of influence of your territory. Like, you know, who's the movers and shakers that are, you know, if you're buying land, you know, who's moving land, who's buying, selling and involved. And you just got to kind of like get to know those guys. Cause I'm sure it happens to you, but you, you get a million guys will call you up once and say, Hey, you know, when a Boone and Crockett cheap property comes up, give me a call. I'm buying. I'm like, yeah, get in line, buddy. But then there's a few guys like I'm thinking right now, I'm thinking one, two, definitely two guys. And I know there's a third, but I just told him I'll forget him if he doesn't call me. There's two guys, Justin and Tony. They, if they ever listen to this, they'll know who those guys call me or text me. And when I and I know exactly what they want, and I know they're ready to buy when I find it. And the, and those guys call me and stay in touch. But most people don't want to do that because what I hear is, well, I don't want to bug you. I'm sure you get a lot of calls. They go, yeah, I do, but you're not bugging me because nothing's better than having a pocket buyer that I could just call you up and say, hey, dude, I just found your property. Do you, are you ready? And then you buy it. And like I show it once and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. And so I tell people all the time to do that. And if you don't want to do that, then what I tell people is I'm going to be up front with you. I'm not, I'm probably not going to call you because I just, there's so many people. So 
I'm on all over Facebook and I'm all over Instagram and I'm all over YouTube and my podcast. I don't talk about properties a lot on there, but if you follow me and you see me out in the woods with my camera in front of me talking, better text and you. I don't say that this property is for sale, dude, I'm not going for a hiking for a living. This is going to be sold or listed. So you should call me. And that's what I tell them. You follow me. Yeah. That, that's fair. So, and I think, um, you know, the landscape of real estate has obviously um, changed a lot. So talk just a little bit briefly. So you've been in uh, as an agent for nine years. What season are we in right now in the world of real estate? So I started off at the beginning of the upslope. Like we came, I think I was with Whitetail, I think in 15 and they, Whitetail started in like seven or eight. And then we came through the eight, nine, 10, 11, maybe 12, that, you know, funk period. And then it was just starting to pick up when I got on. So I was lucky enough to like, and timing wise is like, I rode the wave up, right? Rising water carries all ships, right? So for timing wise, it couldn't have been any better because I was able to get myself established, make sales, get out there, get all cocky, like, oh, I can do this. You know, it's like everybody's buying. And it, I wouldn't say it was, wasn't hard. You saw to work, but it was a lot easier. Well, now, there's these cycles. And now we're coming into a different cycle. And I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen, but I think there's like this national cycle. Then there's little these microcosms, which I feel I'm in on that may not be as doom and gloom as what maybe other areas are. And so I think we're in a position right now where there's going to be a little correction. If I had to like frame it up, it'll be like this. This is big macro piece. Little correction, maybe come down a little bit. Use percentages. Be, you know, like you're correction, not gonna, correction huh? of correction of 5%, 10%. Oh man, I knew you were going to ask me. I I'm putting, putting you to the coals here. <laughs> I know. I, I listened to you on this other podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know, like what this guy said, you know, 10%. Yeah. Cause 10% is really not that crazy, you know. $300,000, $3,000 sale, you know, per acre price to 2,700. Yeah. I'd, so 10, I'd say that's reasonable. Mm -hmm. But then in my area, so if I speak to what I know, like I'm outside of a Metro and you might put this in, you could put this in Atlanta, Georgia Metro. You could go to St. Louis and Illinois and Missouri and, you know, pick whatever large Metro there are, you know, in my area, there's 20 million people within this little compact space and they all want to get out. Mm -hmm. They, they, it doesn't matter. I don't know if we should talk about politics, but let's, because <laughs> I have this conversation with people. I don't care if you're liberal or conservative. You don't like what's going on in the cities right now. You can blame it on Trump if you want to make it Trump or you could call it Biden. It doesn't matter. You don't like the taxes. You don't like the crime. You don't like getting held up and hijacked and kidnapped you don't like the drugs doesn't matter what side of the aisle you are you want you don't want to be around that most people and what's happening is they're coming out of the cities coming to my area and so there's this like micro market within the market locally mm -hmm. because i of where i live and i still think this is my prediction and i'll in a year from now we'll talk about this i think very quickly, I'm going to have more listings that I know what to do with for a couple of reasons. Number one, all of the agents that were making an easy living with not hardly any work are not selling right now, especially the residential agents. They're like dying on the vine. There's no inventory for them to sell and it's been declining for a while. And I'm starting to see this anxiety, this fighting for like get my offer in and I and, and the commissions that some of the land guys in my area, we talked about this a little bit. 
they seem to be paying less and less because they don't need to pay out that commission anymore. They don't need to pay 2.4% to try to induce another agent to bring a buyer. The buyers are finding these properties on their own because they're looking and they're going, I'm not waiting for the agent to help me. I'm just going to the listing agent. And a lot of the guys that I know are finding that I don't really need help. So they're paying less. So the agents that are there are making less. And if they have expenses, it's going to start eating them up because they don't have inventory and they're not selling as much and they're getting paid less when they do. So I think we're going to see a purge. And I've heard the, the guys at Keller Williams say a quarter of a million agents are going to get pushed out in this next 12 months. So, um, so I think that is affecting our big market, but locally there'll be more properties listed because people bought too high, they're overextended. Now they're maybe they're losing their job, unemployment, 175,000 unemployment soon or whatever. So they're going to be turning those over to try and dump them. And I've already started to see it. I've seen guys buy at 450 an acre and, or no, 5,000 an acre. And I told them I would not go above 4,500 4, an acre. And I'd be better at 42 to four grand an acre. And they bought it anyway. And now I'm reselling that property a couple months later. And why, why are some of those folks? Then, why are some of those folks? Why why does that guy want to sell now after well, not owning it for I'm, a very long time? I'm using it as kind of an example, and it's sure. not a, an exact reason for this guy. He happens happens to be expanding his business, and he wants to just sell. But it's and it's an example of what's going to happen because there are a lot of people that were buying land at values they didn't care the values they just wanted it because they had to get out of the city they were afraid of covid they you know they wanted their quiet sanctuary and now they're realizing oh crap i probably overpaid and so they're going to be behind they're going to be upside down a little bit and if the market gets wacky like the whole job situation we're going to start seeing those get be brought back on the market so i think i'm going to be and by this time next year, I think I'll have more listings that I know what to do with in my area. That's what I think. Do you think that there won't be enough buyers to fill those listings too? Or is it like a similar amount of volume? Man, I tell you what, Dan Perez said this at, at, our, at our meeting. We were there on the up and we will be there on the bottom. We, there may not be as many buyers, but there will be plenty of buyers that still want to own land. Mm -hmm. They're just going to get it at a lot cheaper price. Sure. Yeah. And that's the same thing. I mean, I think, uh, talking with, with buyers that I helped with throughout this, you know, last, let's call it a frenzy for the lack of better terms here, or, you know, last, uh, exciting market. And it's like, well, I think you're okay to, to pay that, but as long as you're in it for multiple year scope, you'll be okay. But if it's a situation where you want to buy it and you change your mind six months, eight months out of the, you know, down the line, you're might be in a position like what you're describing. Yeah. Well, you know, when you talk about land too, like, People are saying, oh, there's always going to be investors for the land. And I would say, okay, are we talking like Polk County, 40% swamp, a little bit of crappy woods that doesn't have any timber value, recreational hunting property? Or when you say land, are you talking about those flat, you know, Illinois, you know, 250 yeah. or fringe or properties outside of metro areas as well? Right. So there's nuances within when people make that blanket statement, the type of land that you want. I'm seeing like where I'm seeing people go crazy over like little hobby farms. So if you could find a 20 acre hobby farm with a home and a little barn and they can get some chickens and some goats, those are hotter than heck. Um, I can't necessarily make a judgment on a recreational hunting property because I've sold all that I've got mm -hmm. and I'm not getting more, but there still seems to be a lot of buying power looking for those. 
So if I can get it to sell or get it to, to list, I think I can sell it. And then I just don't get the tillable ground very often. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's not as big of a, a market where you're at and other no. parts of the country too. So, no. um, so in general, it seems like, I guess it, to summarize the market right now in a sentence or two, well, how would you describe it? I'm going to say um, strong for another interest rate hike or two, then slow down because of um, the weather in my micro area. Um, and then a pickup next spring because people will figure, okay, I need to get rid of this. And nobody was buying in the winter, although I would say that's fault. And then I'll have a lot of inventory coming into the summer. And then I think buyer-wise, I'll be dealing with very qualified buyers and probably a little less of them. Mm -hmm. And I think they'll be a little aggressive on the price because they'll feel like they're in the upper hand position. It's no longer a seller's market. It's now the buyer advantage. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that puts sure. us to like this time next year. Okay. I think those are all really fair assessments. Um, do you think that with with interest rates rising, do you is that scaring some buyers that you that you've personally been working with, or because I, I feel like it's just accepted that they're going to continue to rise here for a bit. You know, honestly, I haven't heard a lot of chatter about it, and I just made a all all cash a deal that's now turning into it's not so all cash. Uh, it's he's getting a loan. Those happen. <laughs> and it's still happening, and and it's seven percent ish, you know. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm still going to buy it. I'm just decided not to use my cash and I'm getting a loan to do it. And there's no appraisal contingency. So whatever it appraises that, he's still buying. He goes, yeah, I know. I still want it. I know I overpaid and it probably won't appraise, but I'm still buying it. I'm like, all mm -hmm. right. So Peace around. Yeah. You can uh, cover that appraisal gap. And that's because that's that's the it changes the change the deal all of a sudden when you're like, oh, I'm a cash buyer. Here's the purchase agreement. Uh, it's cash. And then you're like, well, you know, I do actually, I think I'm going to go ahead and get, well, it's right. not really like, can you just do that? You know? And dude, I got schooled on that this morning. So this young guy, you damn young guys, I tell you. <laughs> smart. So he, so he calls me up and I'm like, Hey, dude, what's this? There's like appraisal and this is a cash deal. Like, why are we appraising? Oh, he decided to get a, uh, um, uh, a loan on it. I'm like, no, dude, it's a cash deal. Like that means like 400,000 greenbacks sitting in account cash deal. No, he could still go get a loan. It's not contingent upon the appraisal and the appraisal is part of his loan. And that's how it tipped me off. I'm like, no, dude, you can't. I'm like, I know you're new at this, but cash is cash. And like finance is fine. They're separate. And he goes, read section 203 of the Wisconsin Realtors Association. I'm like, all right. So I hang up and I'm like, I'm going to school this kid, you know? Sure enough, I'm sitting here reading. I'm like, son of a bitch. It says, it basically says you can still go get a loan. It's not contingent upon the appraisal, even though appraisal is part of it. And, but he could still do it. And so I called him back because it's the kind of guy I am. I'm like, dude, I have to, like, I have my tail tucked and I'm eating my hat. He goes, yeah. He goes, I don't want to make a big deal out of him. I'm like, well, thanks. Cause I was like calling you out. I, you know, <laughs> and I got schooled. So I don't know. So yeah, guys, whoever's listening to this, when somebody makes a cash offer, I guess the only way to truly make it a cash is you got to write some more verbiage. It says there will be no financing. But then again, would you care as long as he still comes to the table? You got his earnest money. Appraisal is not part of the picture. Do you really care that it's not really cash? It's I was cash, but now it's not. It's settled at closing with no contingencies. And I called my seller and I'm like, he wanted to get out of the deal. 
um, because he pet, caught these guys walking the property this weekend. He got them on camera, so he was really ticked off about that. And then this just added fuel to the fire, and it was like giving him more reason to try to get out of the deal. And so I just finally said, I go, look, man, I go, and if he's he's probably laughing when he listens to this. I'm like, I am not playing lawyer anymore, okay? Um, you're getting into a place where this will probably be a lawsuit or could be a lawsuit. So I'm your agent. I'm now advising you, you better take this to your lawyer because they will lawyer up because they want to buy it still. And it's not going to affect it as long as it everything goes on the timelines. And he honestly has, he hasn't deviated from a timeline or missed a contingency. I don't think you really have any legs here to stand on. So I would just, let's just do this. And I talked to him and he's like, all right, let's just do it. So we're, we're back. But yeah, section 403 of the Wisconsin Realtors Association, cash doesn't mean have to mean cash. Interesting. So if you're a buyer out here, do you, would let's say uh, I'm your I'm your buyer. I'm you're my client. I'm say, Neil, write up this write up this contract. I'm gonna buy cash because that's gonna really uh, add a level of, um, you know, like I think sellers are excited. Oh man, they're you know offering cash. There's a lot less worry on my end. Yeah. There's less hoops to jump through. And yeah. then we get it accepted. I'm like, well, actually, uh, I got a hard money line. You know, like, so I mean, yeah. you have to be deceit to like be purposely uh, devious, but. I mean, is that a, is that an idea people could use? And I'm not suggesting, yeah, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just speaking then, you know, cause someone right now is thinking the same exact thing. Well, I'm right. just going to do this to get my offer accepted. Well, I, okay. I hope I'm not going to get myself in trouble or say something bad, but yeah, I think it is. I think it's a tactic because when you come to the table and you say cash off or people think there is zero issues behind the scenes, earnest money, Maybe there's a simple inspection like easement and restrictions that the title company works out and then you're done. And so you accept it. And I would honestly, I heard this on uh, bigger pockets one time, or maybe it was Carlton sheets. I don't know. 80 so often cash deals can buy a property 80 cents on the dollar. Cause it's just, it's viewed as simpler. And so, yeah, I think it's a tactic. If you want to put it that way, that somebody could induce an acceptance because they think it's cash, but cash isn't really cash unless it's really laid out. Like, okay. Proof of funds. Me. Here's my account with 400 K. Right. Not a yeah. letter from a banker saying he has cash assets. Maybe that's, maybe that would suffice, but as a seller, you might want to, okay. I don't want just a, your buddy, the banker writing a letter. I want to see, I want a copy of your statement. Mm -hmm. But then even then it's like, well, how do you know I don't spend that money the next day and I'm still going to go get a loan Yeah, because I can. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess that's, that's for someone smarter than us, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, to me though, it's like, okay, agents, like I remember when I got into this business, my wife's like, seriously, Neil, you're going to be a realtor. Do you, do you realize how people feel about realtors? They think they're like lower than, you know, uh, used car salesman. I'm like, so I guess this kind of feeds that because there is stuff, but, but from our point of view, I can't control that. He has the right to do it. It's not me. Yeah. I would probably advise him. Don't do it because the, the perception, your reputation. It. Yeah. My so reputation. Yeah. yeah. But do people really care about your and my reputation? Really? They just want their hunting property. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> And I can't sit there and let, I don't, you and I have a soapbox that we could stand on. Every, we got, you know, your 1 million listeners of this download. You know, right? <laughs> Not quite, but we're getting there. <laughs> All right. So we got, we got two people listening right now and they're yeah. going, yeah, those guys are pretty good guys. You know, I know they wouldn't do this intentionally, but I mean, you can't explain it to people and then their perception of who you are and, oh, you're just another realtor. I don't know. 
Yeah. Well, I think that's, to me, that's an opportunity to be a good agent because I think that's a lot of people's expectations. And so if you can deliver something better than that or more transparency or uh, just more teaching along the way, I think that's an opportunity to, to be a good agent. At least that's what, yeah. that's how I try to proceed. But uh, I, I called these guys up and I talked to them and I, the whole time I'm telling him what's going on. I'm like, okay, I am, I know where his head is going. And sure enough, he went there. I want out of this deal. I'm blowing it up. And so on one hand, I felt in, I because I don't want him to like find out in a way that's bad. And then why didn't you tell me this was happening? So I either have a choice that I tell you up front and then you spin out of control and you want to blow up the deal. Or I don't tell you up front with the risk that maybe something does happen and you come back at me and, and complain, why didn't I tell him? Mm-hmm. So I opted to tell him, but then I had to like explain it, you know, calm him down a little bit and smooth some butter on there and make it nice. You know, it's like smooth this out a little bit. And, and he kind of like, you're right. Let's just do it. I'm like, all right, man. I So as an agent, you're kind of somewhere in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. That's what happened. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, um, someone right now is they've been saving their money. They've been looking diligently to buy a farm, but they're a little scared. They're just a little scared because they've been reading the, reading the news, watching the news, yeah. And everyone have an opinion on where things are at or where things are headed. What would you tell that person? Cause they're, they're ready to go. They're aggressively looking, they're checking, yeah. they're checking land watch every single day. And that, Oh, I found one, but I'm a little scared. Okay. A couple things. There will always be another deal. So if you really can't get your head wrapped around doing this one, then don't do it. Cause I'm here to tell you, there'll always be another deal. First off. Um, but I'd also say, but you've been looking for a while. You got the money. You tell me you can afford it, right? You, you, can, you can do this. Then just do it because the market may adjust down. It may not adjust. It may just flatten out for now and then take off again. And by not doing it, you're going to feel exactly the way I felt in 1997 when I wanted to buy my first place. And I looked at Buffalo County and it was $1,000 an acre. Are you frigging kidding me? And I didn't do it because it was, I just, no, it was not a good time. Well, now it's seven, eight, nine thousand dollars an acre. So it was a great time. I had the money, I had the property, and I was afraid. I would say you just need to, you need to do your due diligence, work with somebody at trust, talk to Jake in Illinois, talk to me here, and I'll lay it all out for you. And honestly, if I feel like this isn't a good deal for a guy, I'm going to tell him, I just don't know that this is right for you. And honestly, I've said that to people and they still bought it. They're like, you're just saying that. You're like talking me out of it. I know I'm being honest with you. I don't know that you should do this because your head's not in the right place. But if you want to do it, then you should move forward. But I just feel like your head's not in a good place. And I've had guys go, well, then I'm doing it. It's almost like when you tell a guy you can't do something. They want to do it. He's going to go do it. So yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but. Well, no, I I think that's a general consensus that a lot of people that have uh, been in many transactions or maybe they've. Uh, have bought land in the past. And usually if you do the due diligence and you are in a position where you're able to move forward, then yeah, go ahead. And usually, or I would say, I can't say always, but time is usually on your side by getting into the market. Yeah. I mean, you know, like one of the owners of our company, Rob Saunders said, you can't, most people, most people can't outsave inflation. And so, you know, inflation, and I'm no math wizard, you're much smarter than me, but so you know, even if even if the land values are going up three percent a year, three to six is typical. You know, I would say, or not always, but somewhere in there. You know, on an average year, um, hopefully, maybe. But you know, that's <laughs> what like on a three hundred thousand dollars sale, 
that would be three percent of of three hundred thousand is what uh, nine grand. Nine grand. Yeah. So if it goes up six, can you save eighteen thousand dollars in a year to keep up with inflation? Probably not. So just get in the game, man, and just get in the game. And it's not perfect. It's maybe not even your last property. And everybody says, I'm never selling this. Yeah, mostly you are. <laughs> Most people are. So get in the game, get your first piece, let interest be your your pal, let inflation be your pal. Hopefully inflation's increasing the value of land. Maybe you catch a run like you and I have just caught where I bought here and I sold, now it's up here, you know, get in the game because you can't keep up with it if you don't. Yeah. And you can't time the market too. Cause I mean, it, the other thing too is let's say in this scenario, land prices do stay stagnant, or let's say there's a variance of 5%, 10% even with what someone could buy with financing on a 4% interest rate versus what they could buy now on seven or 8%. Well, you can right. buy less farm now and right. the prices haven't retracted to right. where it's yeah. like, Oh man, I can afford a lot more now. It, it just yeah. hasn't, that formula hasn't worked. You actually went backwards because the land values are arguably even creeping up a little bit. And the interest rates are higher and you have less buying power now because you waited. Yes, drastically and, less buying power. Yeah. And so what I get a lot, like I just sold, I just sold a farm. It's under contract. And this guy was looking at it and he didn't like it because it needed a lot of work. And I'm like, I don't want to say his name. I'm calling him Bill. I said, Bill, they're shooting Pope and Young Bucks off this thing. What are you talking about? It they're already there. Well, they're not living on the property, he said. I know he's listening to this, so he's laughing. So yes, I'm talking about you. And he goes, they're not living on the property. I go, okay, but they're still shooting big bucks off the property. They're not living there. Who cares? Imagine if you came in and you bought that and you improved on it and inflation keeps going the way it is. And those poor people are pouring out of the in Twin Cities and you're shooting even bigger bucks. You need to buy this now. It's, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And you're complaining. You don't have everything. And this guy got, you know, he had a, a little bit of analysis prowess. I'm calling him Bill. So Bill, you had analysis prowess and he'll chuckle when I say that because he was like, he was just so specific about it. And like, Bill, just get in the game. Okay. We'll hire a guy for 1500 bucks and he'll plant your food plots for one year and he'll get the switchgrass in. Cause you don't have time to do it. Just do it. Get in the game. Quit. You're, you're way overthinking this access and entry and prevailing winds. And I know all that stuff is guys that are listening. This is really important. It is important. And some prop, most properties don't have everything, but they've got very few that I have truly have nice Pope and young. And if you want to see the property, go to my website, Whitetail Properties and look up the St. Croix 71. It's still there. And you're going to see the lady sitting behind a nice buck. Mm -hmm. She just shot that off that property as bad, quote unquote, bad that it was that this guy, it's not right. I'm like, okay, well, you can't argue with <laughs> the result. success. Yeah. So get in the game, man. Yeah, that's, that is tough because, well, the other thing too, I'm just, uh, uh, I don't know the full situation, but it's a lot of darn money. And like, you've been working forever, you've been saving forever. And I think most people have this thing in their mind where it's like, when I buy a farm, it's going to be a 10 out of 10. Like it has to be perfect. And I think there, those properties, uh, number one, with most people's first time purchase price points, you're not yeah. able to buy that that parcel that has four sided access because it's probably two or three hundred acres. You know, it's not. It's probably not going to be a thirty or a forty or even an eighty. Right. In instances. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. Highway one twenty eight on the south edge and come in that. So, arguably, I guess it has two sided access. Mm -hmm. 
The other thing too, is I think, um, and this is just me kind of, you know, everyone, everyone thinks they're Mark Drury. In reality, not everyone's Mark Drury. Like, even if you have the Mark Drury farm, you're probably not smacking deer like Mark Drury every year or, you know, insert whatever land manager that you want to. It's like, you, they could, they could be on the same playground. You're going you're to have different results. So it's like, that's, uh, that's another thing too, just in the back of my mind, well, I could have all the tools right in front of me, but it doesn't mean I'm going to have the same results as someone else on the Dude, same I'm gonna playground. Put my- yeah, I'm gonna put myself in that because I got a beautiful farm and I have yet to shoot a nice buck off and I'm not even seeing them. And I'm like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing. I pay attention to all that stuff that we read and watch. And but I think most guides are like that. And that's one thing that I always tell my buyers is like, what do you really want? I mean, let's say you buy this farm and you shoot 135 inch bucks from now until you die. Are you really a guy that is going to be upset with that? And most of the time, very rarely do I have anybody I'd say other. No, I guess I'd, I hope I can, you know, die and only shoot 135 inch bucks every year for the rest of my life. And because we like these big deer and we, and of course we'd like to know that we're have an opportunity at, but most guys don't live and die I don't run my, I don't own, I don't, my business does not run on guys that have to shoot Boone and Crockett 170, whatever it is and above every single year. Mm-hmm. That's not who I, that's they not want an I'm opportunity doing. at a good deer every year. I think that's what most people. Yeah. In essence, really re- would really like, and guess what? If you get six shooting one thirty fives, there's someone out there that would love to have an opportunity at a deer like that every single year. And you can try to go find a different parcel too. Yeah, uh, you, exactly. You can, you can create that, uh, that history on the parcel. So, um, I'm trying to think here, you just recently you're closing up. Cause I think we talked last I'm trying to think last time we spoke on, on the podcast. I know we did one around Thanksgiving timeframe when you were getting into a deal, then we did a recap on that one. And then when you sold that parcel, was that the replacement parcel? So this would be like property two since you've been on land podcast kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So I took the, uh, I took the proceeds from, well, it's not even completely true. I took the proceeds from the first flip that I think we initially talked about. I call that the Polk 60, I think. And what I did personally, because I have a home equity line of credit that I'm buying this stuff with is I paid off debt with that and I'm getting my, my debt position better. Um, so I took that proceeds and I paid off that. So then I was back and I put my money back in my HELOC and made that hole again, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then, so I had my HELOC to go look for the next property. So I found the next property totally by happenstance. And now I've sold it and I'm taking the net gain and I'm paying down debt with that. And I'm putting the money that I used from a HELOC back in the HELOC to make that hole again. And so each time I'm starting over with basically the same hunting license, the same amount of money every single time. So you're just continually using a HELOC to go find the next farm. Yep. Yep. That's what I'm doing. So I have a, I have a HELOC that I took out just a little reminder. So what I did is I had a a townhome complex that my rent that I bought in 2013, I think maybe 2010, actually 2010. And with the money I put down and the amount I bought it for I, and the rent I earned, I paid off that. So that, that equity was, I had about $700,000 of equity. So I was able to take a loan against that, a HELOC, home equity line of credit. And it's basically a checkbook and it's just sitting there. I have a little credit card even, and now I can go out hunting for new properties. So if I see something I like, I can literally make a cash offer and I truly have cash sitting there in the bank. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. So 
a, a gentleman. I was out on a listing. This is about getting up, going doing something every single day. I was out on a listing and some guy walked up to me and it was him, this old man, and his wife just showed up. And all of a sudden I had three people and I had five and I'm like, hi, how you doing? And he says, Hey, when you're done here, I have, um, I have a property next door that I would like to um, consider, consider listing. So I said, okay, well, when I'm done here, I'll come over. So I went over there and, and it was a mobile home trailer on 30 acres. And I, I post a little bit about this on my Facebook and I might even do a follow-up on my blog, but it was early spring. Like it was ugly time of the year and the woods looked terrible and it was crusty snow. And this place had branches everywhere and there was trash in the yard and the grass was all matted and dead. And the, there was like, like moss growing on the roof and on the side, on the north side. It just wasn't a very appealing looking property. And I went inside, you know, mobile homes or mobile homes. It was in 1987 and, and it was just full of junk. I mean, they hadn't been there in four years. It, it had all the utilities and everything, but it hadn't been used. So you walk inside and it smelled musty and it just smelled like it was closed up. So I asked this guy, well, what do you want to do with this? So the land values of this area were around, I would say 30, about three grand an acre. Um, and the condition this thing was three grand an acre. And I told him, I said, you know, it looks like that either the tornado went through here or you had it logged. And he says, actually both tornado <laughs> went through and a bunch of it got knocked down and I had a logger come in and they logged in. And they, so they took, they cleaned it up. I said, okay. Cause when I was walking through the woods, there was like snag little trees and I could see like the skitter trails going through the woods, Jake, but they weren't opened up. And it was, I was climbing over stuff and I said, so all the value of your land is removed. And he goes, yes, I would agree. And I said, well, that's why I would say three grand an acre for the land. But in the trailer, you know, it needs to be cleaned up and all this stuff around here needs to be picked up. And it needs, there was a bathroom that had some water damage. And I said, you need to rip out that toilet and that surround, surround of the bathtub and replace that. And if you put flooring down and in this, it needs to be painted and you got it heated back up and bring it back to life. If you do all this stuff, which is probably around 10 to $15,000 worth of work, well, then you probably have a, I would say at least 175 and maybe above that, maybe as much as 225 property here. And it would be appraised, but you'd, you'd have something. And he basically said, all right, well, can you, can you do your full assessment, do your comps, and then send it to me and I'll make a decision. So I said, all right. So I did that. I went and I basically wrote down what I told him I was going to do. At the low end, there's no value to this mobile. And they most won't even lend on it because it's mm -hmm. not on a foundation. It's on wheels. So if you fix it up with all the ways that I told you, I'd probably list this at like 225, maybe 250 for a house on 30 acres. If you didn't want to do any of that, then I would say, there's no value in the trailer. You have to have it pulled off or you just put no value. And then you're just selling the land. So it'd be that 90 range. And which one would you like to do? And I'm, you know, we had a couple of conversations, but I'm shortening it up. And he said, I'll take the low end. I don't, I don't have, I don't have the time, the, the money, the energy, the inclination to do any of that. I just kind of want to be done with this. I'm like, okay, plan B. If you truly are ready to take that, I would be interested in buying this from you and I'll give you cash deal, cash. I have the money for, and I'll take it for 90 grand and you won't have to pay me commission and I'll make this done as soon as we get title work 
and I'll have you checked within three weeks. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah, what are you going to do with it? And I said, well, I'm going to do all things I told you that you could do with it. And I'm probably going to put it on the market when I get a reasonable offer. It might be six months. It could be two years. I don't know, but um, I might hunt it too, or let friends hunt it, but I'll eventually sell it for a profit. So just total disclosure. And he goes, I'll take your deal. So I bought that property for 90,000 bucks. And it's all on a contract now. Did he keep it as a 30 or did he split it up at all? So what I did then is the snow melted and I hired a guy, uh, his name is Rick. He's a guy that works for me. He's got like a skid steer with a force. Those are awesome. Yep. I got to have me one, but I got Rick. And I said, I'll give you 2000 bucks, but I want all the trails cleared up in here. And here's a lesson. I should have just said, how much is your daily rate? And I would have stood there for eight hours and watched him run because he did everything I want in about one day for a thousand bucks. I could have got him for that. But then he like did some things that were nice to have done, but I didn't need it done. And I could tell he was kind of like sticking around to make sure he got two days to make it me not feel bad. But I spent two grand. Mm -hmm. So I got two grand to clean up. Then I hired a dumpster uh, uh, and I had them drop a dumpster. And I hired this, this high school kid that is a good friend of mine now, Nick. Nick, how you doing, buddy? And um, he came out and he and I filled up this dumpster. I ended up filling up two and a half of them with all of the furniture. Nick helped me carry it out. I picked up everything in the yard. I emptied out a shed and it just generally cleaned up the place. And I took a pole saw that Rick had and I cut back trees and I opened it back up. And then when it got warm, I power washed the exterior. I power washed the deck. I ended up staining the deck and painting everything nice. On the inside, I hired another guy and he put all new flooring. Just I, I just went to Menards and I found the cheapest flooring I could get because I didn't. It's a mobile home mm-hmm. and I didn't want to like overbuild the mobile home. And but I put in like ninety three cents a square foot, like twelve hundred square feet of of flooring, and we put some trim in. And I had my painter come in twelve hundred bucks. He painted the interior, and then my contractor was actually a guy that I sold a 20 acre to, and he and his wife, young couple, nice people, have this little rehab business. And arguably they're not the most skilled guys by their admission, but I wasn't looking for perfection, it's a mobile home. So they did all the work inside. So I spent about 7,000 bucks. I got a new door, new flooring, I got paint, um, which was a a new bathroom and everything was cleaned out. So. All set. And then I also brought in gravel. So when you do these things, when you do these flips, you want to make them look clean. And the the people, the human eye likes lines. Like we like straight lines. We want nice, clean edges. We want order. So I mowed, I fertilized, I made a little food plot uh, in a clearing that I had Rick clear out. And I brought in like six loads of gravel, like 18, I don't know what it was, 1800 bucks worth of gravel is what it came to. And it, now I had a nice driveway before it was mud holes and everything. And so all told into this, and I was hoping my wife would actually send me the numbers. because I know she's working on it right now, but I don't have it yet. But all told, let's say I was about um, 15,000 of rehab. So I bought it for 90. I'm into it for 105. So I put it out on the market. I put it on my website. I put it on my, my uh, YouTube channel. Um, and I started talking about it and the, and the offer started coming in. So the deal I got was um, 205 for the land only, but I had to move the trailer off of the property as part of the deal. And I went to a guy that I know 
Adam. And I said, Hey man, do you know anybody that might want a mobile home? He goes, yeah, I, I might want it. I'm like, all right. He goes, I'll give you 10 grand for it. And I'm like, all right. So I put seven into it arguably. And I made 10. So I got, I'm up, I'm up three, but I got 205 for the land 10 for the mobile. And I'm at 225 and I bought it for 115. Do the math less 2% commission to whitetail closing cost of I don't know what it was like very it wasn't very much 1300 bucks i think because mm -hmm. they already did the, the title search and i don't know what that nets out to exactly but i think it's around ninety seven thousand bucks in six months yeah that's uh that's some good coin for for that amount of work so um did that person that you bought it from have they been like man you got that place looking real nice i saw you sold it for you know 205 i i kind of have a little seller's remorse here i haven't heard back from them um but, you know, I guess what I would say is, well, go back to our original email. And I said, I think I said 225 would be the top end if you did everything. And I didn't know I was going to get that. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, mm -hmm. I actually what really happened. So I had this thing appraised and a guy came out. He didn't do an appraise, a full on appraisal. He gave me an opinion of value. He is an appraiser, but he cut me a deal and he said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't list it for less than 269. And I said, seriously, Whoa. I'm like, I don't know, man. I go, I do this all the time. And Nick, you're, I know he's listening to this. So he's chuckling. Um, I said, I don't know, man. So I think I listed it at, if I, my memory serves me, I think I listed at 249 and then I dropped it to 239 and then I got an offer all sold all at the door at 225. So I could have, I mean, according to the appraiser, I could have got a lot more. According to one comp, I could have got a lot more because mm -hmm. um, there was one comp, a mobile home with a trailer, um, a small shed on 20 acres that I think sold for 259 or 250, wow. I think it was. So, but that's, that's the real estate business. I mean, it's like every property that we do is a little bit different, right? I mean, there's just not anything exactly like this. And so really the value is in the eye of whoever wants to pay <laughs> what they want to pay. I looked at it like, all right, well, I could back up what I told the man that I bought it from because I'm selling it for what I told him I would do. Number one. Number two, I'm making some nice money on this. I should be happy. Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Don't get greedy. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah. Arguably leave a little money on the bone because the guy that bought my trailer, I went to Adam and I said, Hey, what are you doing with this thing? And he kind of snickered. <laughs> it too. I'm like, you're making some money off it. Aren't you? He goes, yeah, I got it sold on a land contract to a guy. And I'm like, good for you, man. So I think he resold it for like 25,000 on a land contract. So we got 25,000 plus 7% interest over the term of whatever his loan was. So he, he's happy. I'm happy. The, the, the other guy's happy because he got his land with a place that he can, a gravel spot that he could put his camper. He's got all the utilities. He's eventually going to build on it and everybody is happy. So, mm -hmm. I mean, to me, it was a great deal all the way around. Sure. Yeah. How did that, how, how did that buyer find the property? Just online? I think he found me on my Facebook page because I posted yeah. and I talk about it and I tell you what people, you know, agents that are listening that don't do what I'm doing, like taking your iPhone and doing these little videos and like just talking people through what you have and what you see. And like, I educate people all the time. on like, how do I value these properties? And I talked about that fab five process of how I put value based on five different attributes, I guess. And 
he called me up and said, yeah, I agree with you. That sounds completely logical. I'll offer you. I think I, I think he started off at like 210 and something happened. I forget what it was. It was like, I couldn't get the mobile home off it quick enough. And so I had to like, like I had to, in order to close on it, Jake, I said, I want simultaneous. Cause I don't want, I don't want the mobile being pulled off and then you not buy the land. Cause I think it's actually more valuable together, yeah. but I need both of them gone. They need to close simultaneously. So I need to make sure that happens. And, you know, he wanted in there quicker. He goes, well, I'll work with you a little bit. How about giving me five grand off? So I, all right, all right. I'll give you five grand off, but work with me on getting that off here. So as we speak, it's been closed for about a week. The mobile's still there because we're slave to the truckers that got to pull it off. And so Steve, my, my land buyer is being a good guy. And he's like, I'm working with you. And Adam, the mobile home guy is going, dude, I'm getting it done as quick as I can, but I'm waiting for the, the, the truckers to move it. And so there's a lot of moving parts. So to make everybody happy, every one of us gave a little bit to the deal is how I look at it. Mm-hmm. But everybody's getting along. It's, it's going to be a win-win for everybody. And so are you trying to do one of these deals like once a year or once you find one? I mean, obviously, if you could do four in a year, I'm sure you'd love to do that. But yeah, uh, I don't know if I would actually. Um, too much going on. Yeah. You know, I mean, okay. If you're like your age and you got a big, maybe investor in your back pocket, um, and you can do three, four a year. Like I have my buddy Brady, he's got a million dollars under contract cause he's got an investor and he's, and he's, you know, he's got, he, he scaled this business. I'm just not in that place in my life anymore. I mean, I've got what I want in life and I'd like, I'd like to supplement my income, which is what I'm doing. So I've been like, I've been trying, like I made an offer on another 50 acre that I think I can divide up. We could talk about if you want, and it's not accepted yet, but I was kind of trying to time it with, let me get this deal done and get the money in my, in my bank account and get back to being whole Mm -hmm. at the same time, let's keep the momentum going and let's get the next deal on the pipeline. So I was kind of trying to time it. So mm-hmm. me personally, I'm not trying to overextend myself. I think that's fair. What, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what what kind of interest rate do you get with your HELOC? Has I got has that gone up along with the everything HELOC? Else? I got at four point two five, and it's it's fixed uh, for three years, and then I believe I renew it with like a hundred bucks, and but then it's prime plus, I think one point seven five. I think so. It'll be higher the second time around. Um, I was just talking to my wife about that. And she's like, I can't remember either. She actually thought that it would stick at that. I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think it does. So I honestly got to look at it. That's my, that's my guess is that adjust based on prime. So it'll be prime plus something in three years. So I've got about a, two more years to utilize that money. And then it's going to adjust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if you want to share this or not. But so what, what does your wife think about all this wheeling and dealing? Does she, is her risk tolerance equivalent to yours? Or is she more like... I don't know, Neil. Why don't we? Yeah. Why don't we ride off in the sunset? I think we're all right. Is she going to listen to this? Yeah. I. That's up to you. I don't know. Right. Well, <laughs> or we can move on too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it just you know. So I'm making a deal, and I don't want to let the kid out of the bag here. But sure. I'll talk about it a little bit. So I'm trying to make a deal on a piece of property that's near my farm, and I told you I wasn't going to talk about this, but you got it out of me. But here we go. Yeah. And I. I, I can buy, I, I know I can buy this property at an okay price, but it has a house on it. And I think the house, cause I walked by it. I've been kind of looking at it and um, this guy's, I'm making a deal with this guy. And if I, if I flip that property by fixing up this little hobby farm, 
I could, I think, I think I could make a nice chunk of change. It all depends on what I find when I get there. So you got to go sure. and you look at these houses, you know, roof, septic, electric, well, foundation, you know, all that stuff. But if uh, let's just assume that all that's just cosmetic fixes, which is what I look for, because I'm not Mr. Handyman. Um, I either have to hire it out or I, if it's cosmetic, I'll do it myself. So I'm looking for basically paint and clean up in a dumpster and put it back on the market. I think I could take that house on, let's say, five acres or three acres and sell it for 200000 because I looked at some of the comps. And so if I buy it at my price and I make sell for two hundred, I've got that spread. Well, it would be bigger spread if I bumped it up. And maybe I sold it for a quarter million mm -hmm. uh, house on 40. Mm -hmm. That's really doable. And then I could take the spread, which is much bigger, and I could pay down more debt. Mm -hmm. Or what I would like to do is fix up the house, sell it with a little land, not have as big a spread, but have a, a spread, take a smaller chunk, pay down debt. But now I have keep a little bit land of land next to my farm. Sure. More land to use by my farm. Mm -hmm. And she's not 100% buying into that plan. Uh huh. So we got to work that out. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, we'll see what the decision maker is in the, the the hogger household here. I'll tell you, you know, for the guys that are doing this, the first time that you do this with your wife, and she's probably not 100% on board because who makes money buying hunting land? You hear that all the time. It's it's not an asset. It's a liability until you sell it. But this type of investing is a little different. So if you find a good one and work with a good agent that can show you um what a good deal looks like and walk you through kind of like we're talking here make sure you find your first one and make some money on it because that's what i did with my wife and i made like forty thousand on my first one and she wasn't 100 but proof of concept so i proved her at least once then i went out and i talked to her about my fab five concept and i ran it through all points of that and i said this is why this is good trust me and on this one i made you know after taxes, I'll probably net about 80 grand after the net net will be about mm -hmm. 80 grand ish, you know? So now she's like, okay, okay. I'm seeing this happening. And now it's a little bit easier. Like she's like, let's go find another one. But she's liking these big, huge wins. And I told her, I go, I'm not always going to find these wins. If I can find 25 to 30,000, that's probably, that's doable. I'd like to find 50 or more every time, but it might not always be doable. So, and with the market is, it's a little volatile right now. That's, that's slowing her down a little bit. Sure. I think all consumer behavior is following something similar to that. Now, this yeah. is something I've just kind of realized talking through some of these past deals. They typically have some sort of living structure on all of them. Everyone that I've done so far has, has a structure, but so, it's, that's a, that's a different level of complexity but they've all been cosmetic except for the mobile. I did put money into it. But the first one, all I was is cleanup. Mm -hmm. so I didn't have to do anything to that one other than clean the place out. So you just kind of have to like look at what your capabilities are personally. And maybe yours is better than mine. I, honestly, I, I am not handy. I can barely work a screwdriver. So <laughs> uh -huh. I got to kind of, you know, be a little careful. Well, I think that's a, that's a good thing to bring up because it's not like someone listening like, well, yeah, you probably could do this, that, and the other, and I'm not capable of doing that. So, I mean, by you saying that, I think that helps people realize, well, yeah, a little bit of elbow grease and and things. Everyone, everyone can use a paintbrush. Everyone yeah. can pick up garbage. Right. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, and when you're thinking about doing this, like right now, if you haven't found it yet, but start checking around, like when I'm driving around, I see handyman trucks, I take a photo and I call them. And, and then that leads me to people like, Oh, I don't have time, but I know this guy, I know I have this guy up in here. And, and then you meet a contractor and he's like, yeah, this guy in that area is really good. And then you call that guy and that's where you start to develop your team of people. And that's what I've done over time is I've started to assemble people and then you meet more people and the more deals you do, you let them know that you buy and sell and flip. And then all of a sudden the deals are coming to mm-hmm. you. People are bringing them to you. And that's where I'm at now. It's like, and it's happened pretty quickly in a fairly short time. These deals are being brought to me. And I may not like this one we're talking about near my farm. I may not do it. I don't know. I mean, but I'm going to look into it. I'm going to evaluate it. It's not going to hurt. Not to, hurt to, to do your uh, due diligence and a little bit of homework. Absolutely. Um, what about, uh, I know here, there's a lot of auctions coming up here at the end of this year. Is there, do you guys have a ton of auctions coming up the end of this year too? You know, ranch and farm auctions is our arm. Um, I, they're busy as heck. Um, I don't have a lot. Um, I've tried to get my auction business off. I do advertise a little bit. Um, I probably could advertise it more. Um, if I have a property that is even remotely close to auction, I always part of my presentation, I'll talk about them as an option. And I find that the more that I talk about it, the I wouldn't say the more auctions I get, because I've only done like two or three, but I, the, the more positive reaction I get, and I think I will get more auctions. Mm-hmm. And for me as an agent, I still do pretty good. It's about volume turnover. Um, and the more property I turn over, the more deals you do, the more times you just get out there in front of people, more opportunities come to you. Mm-hmm. It just feeds that funnel, you know? So, but are there a lot of auctions outside of uh, farm and ranch? Like, is there a lot of auctions coming down the pipeline? Not is in my industry? area that I'm aware okay. of. That's the interesting thing too, just how regional um, real estate is. Cause there's a lot of auctions coming up here really? uh, in my neck of the woods. Yeah. And I, and, and main, the main reason why I'm looking at more of those is because there's not that many good listings <laughs> floating around right now too. So it's like, well, uh, how obviously properties are moving. So how are they getting sold? And there's a bunch of auctions coming up. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen a few and now it's probably cause I'm paying attention to it a little bit more, but yeah, I, I, auctions just aren't as big a deal up here. I see more like auctions where they're auctioning off all the equipment and stuff sure and it seems retirement like sale on a on a red you know reg, a regular listing sure but. sure okay well anything else here neil um i think it was a lot of good talking points i don't know if you have a golden nugget to leave uh listeners uh to to get them excited with where things are at yeah today i would just i would say if you're a buyer that has just wanted to have this piece of property just go out and find your guy and pick a guy that you like and stick with him, work with him and do your, continue to look. I mean, I tell people all the time, don't you stop looking because I'm not calling you. I need you to be looking and I'll keep my eyes open. Um, Me personally, and probably a lot of agents, you know, we're not necessarily running around searching and calling and researching, looking for that perfect property. If I have one and I know you're a buyer, you're active and it's my like pocket listing, I'll call you first because you've been working with me. That's honestly the best way to do it. By the time it gets out in front of the masses, you have, you know, like my Buffalo 18 listing that I have right now. I've had like 10 showings. I've got an offer literally just popped up on the screen here. You know, you're kind of behind the eight ball, so to say. So get with a guy that's working in the market, buying and selling, dealing with the type of property that you're looking for. And just stick to your guy, be with him. 
just find the right one. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Well, um, if someone wants to hunt you down, what's the best way for them to do so? Okay. Well, a lot of ways. So I'm really active on social media. Um, Jake's team edits my own podcast uh, called The American Landman, and I'm on Spotify and iTunes. You can go to YouTube. Uh, the American Landman is my YouTube blog, and you can find me at Neil Hogger Land Specialist on Facebook and at Instagram. I'm at, at Wisconsin Landman, but as people know, Facebook and Instagram are kind of linked. So follow me. I would say, honestly, follow me everywhere if you can. Like, share, comment. I always appreciate that. But if people just want to talk about property, especially if you're looking in my area, then give me a call. If you need help anywhere in the US, I'll do my best to hook you up with a guy. I've done that. I've sold properties in multiple states. You can give me a call about that. We'll find somebody to help you out. I'll find you'll, you. Right you'll guy. find a real good guy in Illinois. I will sure too. find you a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Neil. Pleasure as always. Thank you so much for your time. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you guys have. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed it and you know someone that might get some value from this, share it with them. Leave a five-star written review. Head over to our website, exodusoutdoorgear.com and use code RUT27 to save 27% off any render bundle. You have until midnight to claim that. We are cutting it off at 11.59 Central Time tonight. So that is it. Hope you guys have a great week. See ya.